Welcome to another episode of Mike's Money Picks. Today we are going to be previewing the night slate of college football for this Saturday's action. If you want to check out our preview of the early slate, the 12 p.m. slate, check the podcast feed. We did that episode on Wednesday. And if you want any help for your NFL season-long or DFS lineups, check out our episode from yesterday where we previewed week nine with a show that we call Buy or Sell. If you are interested in my full DFS lineup, head on over to the Patreon, patreon.com slash Mike's Money Picks. And also, make sure you give me a follow on Twitter, at Mike's Money Picks. Got a whole lot of stats, facts, nuggets dropping on there about college football, NFL, and golf. And if you have any start, sit, or lineup questions, I'll be more than happy to answer them. Again, that's at Mike's Money Picks. All right, so let's not waste any more time. Let's talk about college football late slate. But first, a quick word from our friends at Anchor. Let's start off by talking quarterbacks. So Cameron Rising of Utah is the top-priced quarterback on the slate. And I got to be honest, he's very much a stay away for me this week because last Thursday when they played Washington State, he was a very unexpected out for that game. Like he was on the sidelines in a penny like a backup quarterback when there was no indication that he was hurt. But yet, you know, there was indication after kickoff that he would not play. He was out for the game. He wasn't a backup. So we got very little information before the game on that from Utah. And so I don't think it's going to be a whole lot different this week. I think whatever his situation is, we're not going to get a whole lot of information. And if we do get information, I don't know if we can verify that it's 100% accurate. Just lost a lot of trust with um, Utah and they're dealing with injuries last Thursday night. So uh, staying away from Cameron Rising. However, if we do get some miracle confirmation that he is playing, Utah does have the highest implied team total on the slate. Arizona is a bad defensive team. Probably nobody's going to be playing this guy because of that injury. So if you manage to find confirmation that he's playing, it might be worth a shot. Second on the board is Bryce Young, and I got to be honest, the defending Heisman Trophy winner does not intrigue me in this spot whatsoever. He scored only 16 points in three games this season, and honestly, he really isn't throwing to his wide receivers. Like he's mainly throwing to Jameer Gibbs and he's kind of peppering in into receivers and you know, the tight end Latu after that. Um, but I'm just not like, I don't know. I don't see that ceiling with him this year that he had last year. And in this game, Bama is implied 35 points. So we know that somebody for Bama is going to score. I just don't know if it's all going to be on the arm of Bryce Young. So Sam Hartman really killed us last week with that six turnover quarter. It was just absolutely dreadful to watch, but I think that he is pretty much always a solid play in DFS formats because Wake Forest plays very quick. They're going to get a lot of snaps and he's going to throw the ball a lot. So, you know, that's a good formula setting up for a quarterback to score fantasy points. Now, NC State is a pretty tough passing defense. They only give up 195 passing yards per game. So I don't know if this is the best matchup and the best spot for Sam, but Like, he's still Sam Hartman, and this is a very slim quarterback slate. So I absolutely see if Sam Hartman is the guy you put in your lineups this week. One good sign is that when Wake and NC State played last year, it was a 45-42 game. Wake Forest won, so they put up 45 points against NC State last season, and NC State returned pretty much the same defense, and Wake Forest returned a lot of the same characters on offense. So I definitely think that, you know, the track record is there, you know, Sam Hartman's play is there. I don't, I just don't know. So I totally get it. It's a slim quarterback slate. He's a very viable option, but I don't know if he will be the guy that I am putting in my lineups. 
Jaden Daniels of LSU has the rare feat of having back-to-back 50-point games, and this week he gets Alabama. Now, people generally generally stayed away from Alabama, you know, for a long, long time because of how good they were defensively, but Hendon Hooker this season proved that to be not a thing when he scored 44 against Alabama. Now, Jaden Daniels is no Hendon Hooker, but if you look back over the years, the type of players that give Nick Saban a lot of trouble are mobile quarterbacks, guys that can run and throw. Talking to Cam Newton, Johnny Manziel, Deshaun Watson. Um, I'm sure there's others I'm missing, but mobile quarterbacks give Nick Saban's defense trouble. So Jaden Daniels might be in a spot where he comes in really low owned because he's playing Alabama and nobody's going to want to play him. And if he gets loose running and throws a few touchdowns as well, it could be a productive fantasy night. So I absolutely get playing Jalen Daniels this week. Jaden DeLora of Arizona is a guy that I will probably be putting in my lineup over all of the guys I just mentioned. His game log warrants being up there in price tag with those guys, and he's not. He's been over 36 points in three of his last four games, and we have seen the Utah defense show some cracks against the likes of USC and Washington State. So it's not like he's playing the 85 Bears out there like people want to hype up Utah to be. And his track record's pretty good. Like I said, 36 in three of his last four games. So Jaden Delora is probably a guy that I'm going to be finding a way to put in my lineups this week. Quinn Ewers of Texas is a guy that I feel like I mentioned on here every week because of his price tag. Look, Texas is a fairly solid offense. They're not like, you know, super duper explosive, but they're going to put points on the board. And Quinn Ewers is, you know, he's got all the hype around him. He's got all the talent. So if we just kind of see a little bit of it, you know, like we did in the Oklahoma game, Quinn Ewers can easily pay off that price tag and be a good play in DFS. Two bargain plays for you. First one is MJ Morris of NC State, who was their third string quarterback at the start of the season. He is now their starter, and he gets the mediocre Wake Forest pass defense. We've seen DJ Uyunglele put up six touchdowns against him. So why can't MJ Morris put up, I don't know, at least two or three? And at that price tag, that's all you need him to do because he is way down there on the board. Robbie Ashford is also a guy that we mention here on the podcast, I feel like, every week because of his price tag. He's down there at $5,100. Now, weird situation with him where his backup was announced as the starter in the stadium before the game, but yet Robbie Ashford was the starter and played every snap. So I don't know what that's all about. Auburn does have a new coach. It's not going to be Brian Harson anymore. So I don't know if that loyalty to Ashford is still there. But if Ashford is the starter, again, get confirmation first. But if Ashford is the starter, I really like the matchup against Mississippi State, and I really like the the price tag with his rushing upside. All right, so that covers it for the quarterback position. Next up, running backs. If you thought the quarterbacks were thin on this slate, wait till you hear about the running backs. However, it's hard to say that they're thin when it starts with three guys at the top that I really, really like. First one's B. John Robinson. Like, do I even need to keep talking about B. John Robinson? He's the best back in college football. He's got the highest floor of any player in DFS formats in college football. He is the king of cash games. You might not win a tournament with um, B. John Robinson in your lineup, but if he hits that ceiling, look out because that ceiling is legitimately 40 to 50 points. Jameer Gibbs is the player from Alabama that I'm most likely to play. So they just find ways to get the ball in this guy's hands, whether it be just giving it to him, pitching it to him, you know, throwing it to him, screen passes. Like, he just gets a lot of touches. There's a lot of Alvin Kamara in his game, in my opinion. And I just think that he's a guy that, against this LSU defense, 
Maybe if they're not able to get these receivers open deep, checking it down to Gibbs, letting Gibbs run it, you know, get different plays out of the backfield, I definitely think that Gibbs is going to be the guy from Alabama that I'm most likely to put in my lineups. Blake Corum is an interesting case study to me because, in my opinion, he should be priced up there with B. John Robinson, or at least like a little bit lower, not sitting here like a full thousand dollars below him. Um, he's got five straight games over 25 carries, which is pretty impressive. And he's got a minimum of 21 fantasy points in that stretch. So you're talking about a guy whose floor is pretty much what B. John's is. His ceiling might not be as high, but we know we can count on the workload because Michigan is going to run the football. So if you are going to stay away from B. John Robinson, Jameer Gibbs, Blake Corum to me would be the natural pivot play for a little bit cheaper than both those guys. Will Shipley of Clemson is somebody that I don't really quite know what to make of in this slate because Notre Dame, that front seven is pretty tough. Like They're a pretty good rushing defense. We saw them bottle up Travion Henderson of Ohio State in week one, and I think Travion Henderson right now is a better football player than Will Shipley. But we know that Clemson is going to get Shipley touches. The Syracuse game, when the going got tough, and that was a close game in the fourth quarter, they did a lot of handing off to Will Shipley, and they even dumped it off to him out of the backfield a few times. So we know that he's going to get the touches. I just don't know how much he's going to do with those touches against this front seven. He might be a little bit touchdown dependent this week, which is always a risky proposition. Now, I think that a lot of people share the same sentiments that I do. So he might come in low owned, which would make him a very solid pivot play from the top guys. But I just don't quite know with Will Shipley this week against that tough Notre Dame front seven. Tank Bigsby of Auburn is a guy that I mentioned last week, and he did pretty well for us last week. He ended up with 22 points in that game against Mississippi State. And he's got, I'm sorry, he plays Mississippi State this week, 22 points against Arkansas. Arkansas is who Auburn played last week. So he's got 22 straight points or 22 points in that one, which means that he has 22 points in two straight games. So pretty solid. Again, he was outstanding down the stretch last season for Auburn. And just for some reason at the start of the year this year, they just weren't getting them the football in the same ways they were last year. So maybe, you know, the change in head coach might make them a little bit more conservative, a little more ground-oriented, which would only be good for Tank Bigsby. And like I said, matchup against Mississippi State this week, which I do like for running backs. Good spot to play Tank Bigsby in. Looking a little further down the board, Jaquavius Marks of Mississippi State is a guy that I really, really like this week. Dylan Johnson, who is their primary back, is likely to be out of this game. So if that happens and Marks gets all of the workload, this Auburn defense just gave up over 300 yards rushing to Ole Miss. Now, granted, Ole Miss did it with two backs, not one. So, you know, don't expect Marks to rush for 300. But, I mean, it's a bad rushing defense, y'all. And a backfield that is normally a committee can become a one-man show. And so if Jaquavius Marks does get the start, if Dylan Johnson is out, then I really like Jaquavius Marks' chances to pay off his price tag. I really like him to be a high-ceiling, high-floor guy for this slate at running back. So like I said, not a whole lot of running backs to talk about for this one, but those are the guys that I like. Let's go ahead and transition on over to wide receivers. So at the wide receiver position, let's hop around to kind of different offenses here and talk about some guys that I'm going to play from each one. So the first offense we got to talk about is Arizona. They're an offense that loves to throw the ball. They're playing Utah this week, which is, like I mentioned earlier, kind of a shaky defense. But Utah's probably going to be winning this game. And so Arizona's going to have to throw, and that bodes well for them because they love to throw. 
Jacob Cowling is still their number one wide receiver. Even though Dorian Singer had a huge game last week, I think both are viable options against that Utah defense. Um, if you want to go a little bit down the board, Tedaroa McMillan was a little bit disappointing last week. I think McMillan is mainly an option if Cowing or Singer were to be injured. Um, I don't think he gets a whole lot of usage if both of them are healthy. Looking back at the game logs, looking back at the situations that all those games were played under, I don't think that McMillan gets a whole lot when both those guys are active. So if you see something that one of these guys are going to be out, which is always a possibility in college football, um, Tedaroa McMillan would be a very solid option. On the other sideline in this game for Utah, honestly, Devon Vela should not be priced this high. I don't get it. In my opinion, that's a stay away. He has not shown the floor or the ceiling to warrant the price tag that he is at. Dalton Kincaid, if we can get an update that he plays, is a great option. So we know that Utah played with their backup quarterback last week. Well, that backup quarterback just wanted to funnel the ball to Dalton Kincaid. He had 11 targets before leaving the game in the fourth quarter. So that 11 could have ended up being 12, 13, 14, 15, right? But we don't have a whole lot of information on his injury that caused him to leave the game, if it was serious or not. So we got to get confirmation that he is playing before we put him in lineups. But I really do like Dalton Kincaid against this really bad Arizona defense. For Wake Forest, there are two guys that I think make great stacking options if you're rolling with Sam Hartman, and that is A.T. Perry and Jamal Banks. The longer the season goes on, the more it seems to just kind of be these two guys that are getting the targets for Wake Forest. The tight end Blake Whitehart gets involved a little bit as well, so he might be the guy I would play third. I'm not interested in any of the other wide receivers, though, just these two guys. Now, there are four guys that I want to talk about that dominate their team's targets, and I think all four of these guys, very reasonable price tags, very reasonable to put in your lineup. First is Michael Mayer of Notre Dame. He may be a tight end, but he's used like a number one wide receiver. He's gotten at least five targets in every game, and he maxed out this season with 11 catches against BYU. Look, Drew Pine, when the going gets tough, his eyes go to Michael Mayer and just want to give him a chance to make a play. And against Clemson, I think that's a very likely possibility. Like, they're not going to be able to just, you know, drive the ball up and down the field on Clemson. So he's going to be relying on Mayer to make plays. So we could very easily see double-digit targets for the outstanding tight end. Next up is Xavier Worthy of Texas. Look, Xavier Worthy was targeted 16 times against Oklahoma State, and this was a game that featured a crazy amount of wind, and Quinn Ewers just wanted to chuck it deep and throw it to Xavier Worthy. So um, he's going to see a huge workload. We know that the ceiling is there. If you look at his game log, he's got multiple games over 20 points, and I mean, the price tag hasn't really been adjusted for how much targets he's getting. He is very similar to Hollywood Brown of the Arizona Cardinals, where he can burn you deep at any time, and when the ball is in his hands, he's a threat to take it the distance every single time. So I think Xavier Worthy against Kansas State, definitely a live option because of his target share and because of his explosive playmaking ability. Puka Nakua of BYU has three straight games over 20 fantasy points since returning from his injury. However, the one beware on this one is that Boise State currently has the pet has the best rated pass defense in the FBS. They only give up 133 yards per game. However, I got to say, I don't know if that number is because of their competition or because they're actually that good. So Pukanakua, he's going to see a lot of targets. He's going to see a big workload. It might not be the highest yards total, but if he gets a lot of catches, finds himself in the end zone, he can definitely still pay off that price tag. And the last one is Thayer Thomas of NC State, 
who just had a monster game of 36 fantasy points with backup quarterback MJ Morris throwing him the ball. MJ Morris wants to get to Thayer Thomas, so like, why not play him? That Wake Forest secondary is not great, like I mentioned earlier, and so why not go back to Thayer Thomas in a spot where we know he's going to get a lot of targets and we know the secondary he's up against is not great. I am avoiding all Bama wide receivers this week. None of them have consistent target shares. None of them have consistent snap shares. None of them have consistent fantasy point output. Like, I just, I don't know what to make of it. You never know who the flavor of the day is going to be for that receiving core. So I'm just avoiding all of them. Now, if you're playing a GPP and you want to take a shot, fine, go for it. But I'm not. Just... Just miss me with that. Bryce Young looks like he just wants to throw to Jameer Gibbs. So I'm not going to be playing these wide receivers until I see something that indicates that that is changing. Mississippi State going up against Auburn has two guys that I want to talk about. The first one is Ra Ra Thomas. He had eight catches against Alabama, which is pretty solid. Like, it's Alabama. And you get eight catches against him, that's a pretty good total. Caleb Ducking has been their number one all season. And he only had a three fantasy point performance against Bama. So I'm hoping that that was a fluke. We get a little bit of a price discount on him because of that performance. And we know that Auburn, not a great defense. So both of these guys are very legitimate options for Mississippi State this week. Xavier Restrepo of Miami is a true alpha number one wide receiver, but is not priced like it because he's only played one game since returning from injury. Now, the problem with Miami is that we don't really know who's going to be under center. We don't know if it's going to be Tyler Van Dyke, Jake Garcia, whatever. But Xavier Estrepo is the guy that's going to command the ball. He's going to command targets, and I think he's definitely an option to go to this week. There are three bargain bin players that I do want to talk about. These are guys that can really give you some salary relief. They're also like the only guys in this range that I would be interested in. The first one is Keyshawn Baute of LSU. I mean, he was an All-American last year. He was a great daily fantasy option last year. It's about time for him to show up, and this is a game against Alabama. This is a game where I would say LSU is probably going to have to be throwing the ball. And so, Balte, you've seen a recent uptick in his targets and his catches? Just a little bit. Just enough to give me hope that they're going to go to him like 10 times in this game and he can have a pretty big stat line. So, Keyshawn Balte against LSU, I definitely think he's a live option this week. Camden Brown of Auburn is coming off of an 18-point performance, which is like the most by an Auburn receiver in like years. (laughs) I mean, maybe not years, but it's the biggest receiving performance by Auburn that I can remember in at least the last four or five weeks. And so he seemed to have a little bit of chemistry with Robbie Ashford. So if Robbie Ashford continues to be their starting quarterback, Camden Brown is probably the Auburn receiver that I would be going to, especially at that price tag. Jatavian Sanders of Texas gets mentioned here like almost every week. I mean, he gets a steady share of targets every week. He had six targets against Oklahoma State, and he's still only $3,600 on DraftKings. I don't know what they're doing with his pricing, but his price needs to go up. If you're looking for a punt-ish play to save yourself some salary, $3,600 Jatavian Sanders would be the guy I would go to for that. All right, that does it for the wide receivers, y'all. So, That is our preview of the late slate of college football for this Saturday. Like I said, if you want to check out our preview from the early slate, check out the podcast feed. It was two days ago. And then if you want help with your NFL, DFS, and season-long lineups, check out yesterday's episode as well. Make sure you guys are following me on Twitter at Mike's Money Picks, dropping stats, facts, and nuggets all week long pertaining to college football, NFL, and golf. All right. 
Hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Hopefully I gave you guys some guys to, you know, look out for and put in your lineups. Hopefully I can help you guys win some money. Thank you guys for listening and I will see y'all next time. Mm-hmm.